you have found the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. Each week, we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. We want to especially thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This was our Easter Sunday sermon from April 17, 2022. So a week ago, um, when I read a scripture passage to sort of introduce our Sunday there, you may, if you were here, remember that I read from Matthew 21, the story when Jesus entered Jerusalem. It was the first day of the week that he was ultimately crucified. It was a very typical Palm Sunday passage to read. I want to I read that again just, just to get it in your mind because we're going to jump off from there. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And so last week, I left that question kind of hanging there. Who is this? Who is this man? Who is Jesus? And Jerry mentioned it a little bit in his message, and then it's also kind of the theme of our Easter banners. And I want to kind of continue from there today as we move into our thoughts for today on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But in this particular story, the next verse says how some of the people that day answered the question, and the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. In Galilee. So that's how they answered the question. But how do we answer the question? I think, in one way or another, all of us are going to have to answer that question at some point in our lives. Who is Jesus? So that was a week ago, Palm Sunday. Today is Easter Sunday, although maybe I should call it Resurrection Sunday. I had at least one friend a number of years ago who was extremely passionate that we should never call it Easter. You can, you can go with that wherever you want. But a week has passed for us, and, and as I was thinking about what I was going to share this morning, I thought, well, if the question we left hanging to process last week was, who is Jesus? Maybe, maybe one question we should talk about is, who does Jesus claim to be? So I'm going to look at his life between those two Sundays, Palm Sunday when he entered Jerusalem, and today when he rose from the dead, or at least that same period many years ago, um, those, those, those seven days or so between Sunday to Sunday, who did Jesus claim he was? Because see, during that week, he did, he said certain things about who he was to the people around him. So if we're going to ask who is Jesus, we should say, who did he claim to be? The exact chronology of those events during that week is a little bit up for debate. Uh, some people argue the timeline I'm going to follow is pretty standard, but don't get hung up on exactly which day or which afternoon or morning a certain event happened. These were things that happened between the two Sundays, and they were recorded by four different people, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are now the Gospels in our Bible. So I'm starting kind of in verse 
or chapter 21 of Matthew because of last week. So, so maybe verses 4 and 5 will help get us, get us started on who did Jesus claim to be. Talking about this, this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So by his actions, the way and when he entered Jerusalem, Jesus made a rather bold claim. He claimed that he was the king. And you might think I'm reading into this a little bit too much, but the people got the point at the time. Luke 19 says that the people began to shout and sing, and they said, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And actually, the religious leaders got the point, too. It wasn't just the, the popular culture of the crowds, because some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And Jesus replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. So the first claim that I want to think about is Jesus claimed he was the king. So then what happens when the king enters the capital city? Well, in this particular case, so Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple, and after looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon, and he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. So that was Sunday afternoon, and he left and he went back to Bethany. And then a bunch of things began to pick up on Monday and a bunch of actions, and I was trying to figure out how to do this, I think, for the sake of time and storytelling, I'm going to paraphrase, but I am trying to be completely faithful to what the four Gospels say. And then also, just to sort of help it in our minds, I went and I found a bunch of historical artwork from centuries and centuries ago to put on there, because many artists have chosen to try to illustrate these events. After looking at them, I would encourage those of you with artistic abilities to try yourselves, because it seems like we need some better drawings. But we'll leave that as it is. So Monday morning, the action picks up. So they get out. They were out in Bethany, because that's where they returned to on that Sunday evening. They get, leave Bethany, and they head towards Jerusalem. And as they head towards Jerusalem, they come by a fig tree. And Jesus was hungry. He goes up to the tree to pick some figs, and there were not any figs on that tree. So this wouldn't be an unexpected thing. It was around Passover in that time. Mark mentions it, but also uh, the resources that I have mentioned. At that time, you wouldn't expect to have figs on that tree. So why did Jesus go up to it? Well, Mark also mentions that that tree was fully leafed out. And that normally wouldn't be the case. My understanding is that at this point in time, they would be just getting their leaves and just getting some buds. And so this tree looked different. Jesus went up to it, should be loaded with figs with all those leaves. It wasn't. And so he cursed the tree, said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And then every time I read that, it seems like the story, I want to go on, I want to understand. But Mark actually just continues on. They kept walking. And they entered into Jerusalem, and he went straight to the temple, and there he began driving out everybody who was buying and selling in that temple. Now, as near as I understand it, 
Whenever somebody from far away would come to Jerusalem to offer a sacrifice, it would have been a real hassle and a really logistical issue to try to bring your animals along with you from your home village. And so they would sell the animal there, they'd bring the money with them, they would buy something that was local, and then they would have that as their offering when they were at the temple. And as my understanding, there'd be nothing inherently wrong with this, except that they had set up this marketplace, this place for buying and selling right in the temple. In fact, in the place that was designated for the Gentiles to come and to worship God. So how are the people of the world, to gather to worship the one true God when the space allocated to them in the temple was filled with animals and salespeople and merchants and lots of business transactions. This was not what it was intended to be, and so Jesus threw them out. And I stopped to think about that for a minute, and I said, you know, Jesus is making another pretty bold claim by his actions. He seems to be operating under the assumption that he has the authority to decide what goes on in this temple, how people worship God. And I'm, I'm guessing here, it doesn't say, but I'm going to guess that some people watched again and they said, who is this man? What claim is he making and does he have the right to make that claim? So Monday night comes and they leave Jerusalem once again. Tuesday morning, they're walking back into Jerusalem, probably right along the same road, and they come across that fig tree, only now it's dead. And they were surprised, and Jesus gives a little lecture on prayer, and, and it took me a long time to understand why Mark splits the story of the fig tree in half with the cleansing of the temple right in the middle of it. But I think Mark's reason was this. When that fig tree stood there with all of its leaves looking healthy, it was essentially advertising, look at me, I'm beautiful, I'm healthy, I am ahead of every other fig tree. And Jesus said, no, it doesn't matter, you don't have any fruit, and the point of a fig tree is fruit, and so you're done. You see, when Jesus entered the temple, it was huge, it was beautiful, it was imposing and magnificent. But inside, where it was supposed to be a place of worship for the people of the world to gather together to worship the one true God, it was just a busy marketplace with people trying to make money. And Jesus said, no, you're done. They probably set up market there not long after he left that day, but it wasn't too long. It wasn't too long until there was no temple. And it was a really short time until there was no need for the temple anymore. So in both cases, it doesn't matter what's on the outside, what you're portraying to the world, what it looks like to somebody watching. It matters what the fruit is. But but still, if that doesn't make sense, Jesus, this was Tuesday. Jesus told some more parables right here on Tuesday. They might help us understand his point. One of the parables recorded in Matthew 21 is there was a man who had two sons. One day he went up to his two sons and he asked them to go out and to work in the family vineyard. And the one son says, no way, I'm not doing that. And the other son says, oh yeah, no problem, father, I'll go do it. And the, except you see the son who said, sure, I'll go do that. He, he never actually got around to doing it. And the son who said no, well, he realized that was the wrong attitude. And so he went and he actually did the work that was asked of him. And so Jesus then asked the people, which one honored the father? 
And of course, it's the one who actually did what was asked of him. Even though his first, his first response was incorrect, he ultimately honored the father by going and doing what was asked of him. And the one who, who sounded really great, who sounded like a wonderful son, well, he didn't actually do what the father wanted, and he did not honor the father. And Jesus said to those who are listening, these, these are like you. You can say all the good things you want, but what do your actions show? You see, you were asked to repent, and you didn't. But there are some people around, some people that you look down on, some people that you think aren't really worth anything at all, and indeed, they've lived some pretty messed up lives, but when asked to repent, they did, and they are the ones going to enter the kingdom of God. In the end, it is the fruit that matters. These sound like sort of strong words, but this is what Jesus was preaching and trying to teach in this week. He taught all afternoon on Tuesday. You don't want me to summarize everything he said because you don't want me to summarize all afternoon. But a theme that he had was get ready. That was mixed into a lot of his teaching that day. And as we follow the most common of the chronologies of that week, there's not much that happened on Wednesday. Nothing specifically recorded to that day. He probably rested and prayed. But anyway, Thursday, Thursday, the events pick up again. Thursday, Jesus and disciples got ready for their last supper together. It was the Passover meal. Now, Passover is a meal that remembers the events that we read about in Exodus 11 and 12. And I think to understand what happened that day, we have to understand a little bit of what the Passover meal is. Many, many, many years before, the people of Israel had been slaves in the land of Egypt. God wanted them free, but their king of the time, the Pharaoh, refused to set these slaves free. So at the very beginning of this account, in Exodus 4, actually, 22 and 23, God says the people of Israel are like his firstborn son. They're precious to him in the way that a firstborn son would have been precious to a family, particularly in that time period. Very precious to him. But the nation of Egypt was abusing and killing the people of Israel. Not only were they slaves, they were trying to kill the sons. You've maybe heard the story. So God warned Egypt. He said, I want my firstborn son to be free. And if you refuse to release my firstborn son, I will take your firstborn sons. Exodus 4, 22 and 23 but as the story goes on, God started off somewhat gently in many ways. He did nine signs and wonders in Egypt. We call them the plagues. They were to prove God's sovereignty, his power, so that they would know he is the Lord. But Pharaoh refused to release God's people. He rejected all of those signs and wonders. He did not honor God. And so God decided to bring the one final judgment that he had warned about. He would kill the firstborn son of every family, just as Egypt had been killing God's firstborn son, the people of Israel. But God went to his people and he said, there is a way for you to escape this time of judgment. There is a way to be protected from this time of calamity. They're supposed to kill, prepare for supper, a lamb, and while they were doing that, they were to take the blood from this lamb and they were to put it on the doorway of their house. 
And this was going to be a mark to the Lord as he moved through bringing his judgment that the people of this house had put their trust in God's provision for their safety. And if they trusted in God's provision, if they honored him in the way he asked, he would pass over their homes and they would not experience this judgment. And that's what happened. The people of Israel honored God and the Lord passed over them. So the Passover meal commemorates this time. Many, many years later, they were still, and they still are now, practicing this time of remembrance. So the last Passover meal that Jesus ate, they're rethinking about this time, this time when the blood of the Lamb marked that they were trusting in God's salvation and their, God's protection in a time of judgment. And Jesus, he picked up a cup of wine, and he said, this cup represents my blood, which is soon going to be poured out so that many can live. And it's going to be part of a new relationship between people and God. And as I thought about it, Jesus is claiming to be a new kind of Passover lamb, the one whose blood will keep us safe when God comes in a time of judgment. And if you were here on Friday night at our Tenebrae service, you heard the story from that Thursday meal when he lifted up the cup till he was crucified. To summarize it really fast, after the meal, they left the house, they went out. One of Jesus' disciples turned Jesus over to the authorities. They were upset with him because of many of the claims he was making through his words and his actions. They put him on trial through the night, and then Friday, they executed him. And on Saturday, it seems that everybody just waited. But Sunday morning came. You have heard already in our service as we have read the events of Sunday morning when Jesus rose from the dead, the tomb was empty. Some women were there. They heard the news from the angels. Some women saw Jesus for themselves. They went and reported to the disciples what they had seen. We've heard the story, so I go fast, but I want to jump to that afternoon, that same afternoon of the day that Jesus arose, and I want to focus on those two people who were walking out of Jerusalem towards their home in Emmaus. There's a man named Cleopas and somebody else. We don't know who the other one was, but I have begun to wonder if they were a couple, husband and wife. They were walking along together, talking together, and when they arrived at their home, they apparently lived together. I don't know for sure who the second one was. But as they were walking along, Jesus came with them, or at least we're told that it was Jesus. They didn't recognize him right away. And the stranger, Jesus, asked, why are you so sad? And they begin to tell him about what happened Friday. And then the rumors of what was going on on Sunday, and they were confused. And, and so then Jesus began to teach them out of the books of Moses and the prophets, everything that was pointing toward the Messiah, toward Jesus. So the couple invited this stranger into their home, and suddenly they can recognize who he is, and they see their risen Lord. And so by his actions and his teachings on this day, Jesus seems to be saying that the whole Old Testament is pointing towards him. And I said I was going to focus just on those week, that week, Sunday to Sunday, but I want, to, I want to jump ahead. Jesus gave sort of a farewell address that I, I think should be mentioned in here. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So now we're back kind of to our question of who is this man? But actually we should step back from there and say, who does he claim to be? I was thinking about that. People answer the question of who he is different ways, and sometimes the way they answer it doesn't jive at all with who he claimed to be, and I don't understand that. For if he's not who he claimed to be, is he anything other than just a liar? But anyway, in my short and incomplete summary of Jesus' life between Sunday to Sunday, he made several claims either with his words or his actions. He claimed that he is king. He claims that he is the one to judge those who do not produce fruit. And he claims that our actions matter. Not just the words we say and the action that he wants is repentance. And at this point, as I was thinking, I start to feel uncomfortable. I think I realize that I don't obey God as I should. But Jesus makes some more claims that are very beautiful. He claims that he is like a new Passover lamb, that if we put our trust in him, then we will be safe in the time of God's judgment. So yes, judgment is there, but Jesus gives us safety and salvation. His blood protects us in the time of judgment. And then Jesus claims that if we want to know him, if we want to understand him, all of scripture is his story pointing to him. And lastly, he claims that he is still king with all authority over heaven and earth, and he will be with us always. So that's kind of a really short summary, skipping over a bunch of stuff and skimming. But these are the claims that Jesus made of who he is. But of course, this is supposed to be uh, an Easter message or a Resurrection Sunday message. And I think all of these claims are only going to be relevant to you depending how you answer the question of whether the tomb is empty. You see, if the tomb's not empty, then this is interesting from a historical perspective, perhaps, if you like history, trying to decide what a dead man claimed many years ago. But it's not really relevant. I don't care what very many dead men thought about themselves. But see, if the tomb is empty then suddenly we're in a very different place and these claims start to matter because this isn't something that Jesus claimed and then died. This is something that Jesus claimed and then rose and defeated death and continues to live as Lord of all. And we're gathered here today, I think, to celebrate the fact that we believe Jesus did rise and the tomb is empty. So when we reflect on the claims that Jesus made during that week, When we try to then to answer the question of who we believe Jesus is, it's got to be viewed in the light of the empty tomb. And that's why we're here this morning. You have been listening to the Trestler Mennonite Sermon from Easter Sunday, April 17, 2022. Take care.